Hello, this is Melissa Hale Spencer, the editor of the Altamont Enterprise, and I am thrilled this morning to talk to a Gilderland High School teacher, Brenna Audrey, who through the years has appeared in the pages of our paper in so many different ways as um, a coach of the Gilderville swim team, as a teacher who inspires her students, and as the advisor for the, or co-advisor, for the class of 2020. So welcome, Brenna. Thank you so much. I would just like to start by hearing a little bit about you and how it was you made the journey to become a teacher. Just tell us a little about your life growing up and what led you in this direction. Sure. It was it was not the straight path that many people take to education. I found it um, after... Uh, testing the waters in different ways. I grew up in Columbia County. I went to Ichabod Crane High School. And um, after school, I went to the University of Massachusetts. Um, I didn't know what I wanted to study. And I grew up, my mom was an English teacher, and I grew up having my mother tell me, you know, there's no there's no money in education. Don't, don't go into education. So I listened to that and followed that advice. And instead, I got a degree in hospitality management. My thought was I wanted to be a convention planner, work some in some aspect of hospitality. So I did. I I got my bachelor's degree there. And while I was at UMass, I worked at um, the admission office. And every year they hire somebody, a recent graduate, to work in their admission office. And I did that and I loved it. So I traveled all over. I recruited kids to UMass, a school that I dearly loved. And at the end of that year, I thought, you know, I'm, I like admissions. I want to stay in the college admissions, but I want to, I want to spread my wings a little bit. I want to try new things. So I applied all over the United States and a little division three school in Pella, Iowa hired me at Central College and they were affiliated with the Reformed Church in America, which I was very familiar with having gr- grown up in the Reformed Church. So I moved to Iowa, <laughs> sight unseen, oh. and loved it. Fell in love with the people, loved every minute of it. And after doing college admissions for five years, I thought, oof, what I really like is working with the high school kids. That's what I really enjoy about college admissions. It's not the travel. It's not living out of a suitcase. It's working with the students. So. I worked out a deal with Central College that allowed me to recruit part-time, train some new people, but also get another degree. So I got a bachelor's degree in English education from Central College and started teaching at the local high school days later (laughs) after getting that. And then, um, so I did that for a few years and then 9-11 happened. And I remember exactly where I was in my classroom. I remember how I handled the news. And I remembered immediately thinking, I'm too far away from my family. I need to get back to New York. So I went in and told my boss the next day that I'll be leaving at the end of this year. I'll be heading back to New York. Promised him I'd finish the year out and um, told my mother I was going to apply to Gilderland. That's the school I wanted to work at. And she said, oh, yeah, you're never going to get a job at Gilderland. And it happened to be a year that they were hiring six people in the English department because it was a high turnover year. And that's the end of that. I made it. (laughs) I got hired, and I've been there ever since. What a journey. I I just want to back up and go over a few things. One thing that struck me in that narrative was your use of the word love. You seem to be a person of passion. You loved UMass. You loved Iowa and Central once you got there. Just 
what is it in your personality? Do you, I, it, do, it doesn't sound like it's from your mother who, in this narrative, was kind of a naysayer on two important counts on your majoring in hospitality and also yeah. on getting a Gilderland. Where does that passion come from? How, how, where did uh, you get that? That's an interesting question. I honestly don't know. It definitely is in my personality. Yeah. If I, if I, go for something, I go all in, 100% in. Um, I'm I'm very headstrong, too. So, like, you know, if I want to do something, I'm going to do it. I'm going to find a way to do it, and I'm going to get it done. Um, it's just, it's just been in my personality. That's the way I grew up. It's, it's, it's in my blood, I guess you could say. It's who you are. Well, that's yeah. wonderful. I'd also like to back up and hear a little bit about, since it seems so vivid and was such a turning point for many of us, but particularly for you, the 9-11 experience, just kind of yeah. recreate that that moment in your classroom because um, that is a moment where a teacher has to step out of the normal role and really mm-hmm. be almost a shepherd. Just if you could describe what, yeah. what that was like. It, that was an interesting day for me. I, I had a student teacher, and um, at the time we had um, – Channel News One, which was the, the nationwide school news network for for high schools, and I remember my TV was up in the corner of the room, and I didn't have a class that first period, but the, I had the news on, and I was talking to my student teacher about what we were doing and what the plan was for the day, and all of a sudden, I could see um, the Today Show is what was on, and, and I thought that was weird that the Today Show's on because. Normally, it's the Channel News 1. So I was like, that's really odd. And I looked up, and it was as the planes were crashing. And I was like, oh, my goodness. And I remember going right up to the TV and just standing there and not being able to talk and thinking, oh, my goodness. And then having to recover, our our classes in that school were 43 minutes. So I didn't have a lot of time to recover before my class came in. And there were ninth graders in rural Iowa who, you know, if they went to a large city, it was Des Moines, and it and that was you know a good forty minute drive for them. So that that was a rarity. Um, so I had these little ninth graders coming in. You know, it's the beginning of the year. It's it's in September. We started in mid or mid August, but it was still early in the year. And they came in and they saw my face and they saw the TV and they immediately thought they knew I was from New York, but they immediately thought that that impacted my family directly, that I lost family members. They, they had no concept of geography at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I remember I, I went into this mode of like, um, like put on, put on a face that like, Oh God, I was good. I was totally fine. I'm, we're going to get through this day. And I remember like just trying to go through the day in a normal way. Um, it, it was, it's surreal. The whole thing is surreal to think about. Now, years later, one of those students um, lives in New York City now and is a is a um, an actor in New York City and we're friends on Facebook and he often around September 11th will will think about what that was like in that classroom that day and I, I'm not sure I handled it the best way I don't know if you anyone could ever say they handled it the best way because the emotion was so raw and so real. Um, it was it was just bizarre. The whole thing is surreal to even still think about. And having a student teacher in my room at the time, I was I was worried about like how do I model for her? How do I you know? And, and yet still dealing dealing with my emotions 
and the feeling of, am I ever going to get home to see my parents? Am I going to, how's air traffic going to be? You know, you had all these crazy thoughts to start. It was, it was, it was definitely an interesting time in my life. Yeah. I, I mean, I remember as a fifth grader when John F. Kennedy was shot being uh-huh. in, in my classroom with Mr. Samo at Gilderland Elementary School. And he was very calm. And I still remember he talked about Lincoln being shot and the country carrying on. But by the time yeah. I got to the school bus, there were kids whose teachers had just melted down and started crying. And yeah. they were so upset. And it makes such a difference on how a teacher, yeah. as you say, models that behavior. So, yeah. wow. Yeah, um, you just you just don't know how you as a person are going to react to any kind of information. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you're on stage in front of students who are looking to you for guidance. Right. It, it's 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 a pretty lofty <laughs> struggle. You know, it's a, yeah. It's a pretty weighty thing to, to deal with. So yeah, it's hard. Well, it's a good segue now into just how you have stayed with some of your students. Here's this actor in New York, still friends with you on Facebook. And yeah. what really stuck out for me in looking through some of our old stories was this particular student, Amanda Bailey, who um, made a film, Eight Borders, Eight Days, um, mm-hmm. that was about um, Syrian refugees, a particular family that she followed, a mother and her children going through, as the title says, you know, (laughs) these countries rapidly trying to get to safety in Europe. And when our reporter talked to her about, you know, making the movie, she said that you uh, were the teacher that inspired her. And I just Mm -hmm. wonder what it's like um, to have that kind of uh, lifelong uh, effect on on kids' lives. Um, I don't know if you want to talk about Amanda specifically, if you remember her, or oh, uh, this yeah. actor in New York, or just mm-hmm. you know how it is to have have that on in people's lives going forward. It's it's so humbling <laughs> to think about having an impact like that on kids' lives, and I I certainly. I'm not alone in, in, you know, having an impact on students' lives. I love more than anything, after the students have graduated, I love to hear from them and hear what they're doing. Because I know when I have them in 10th grade and they're crazy and they're still trying to figure themselves out and trying to figure out what their place is in the world and what they're going to do, they're not even close to knowing the answer to that. And even sometimes I'm lucky enough to have some of the same kids as 12th graders in some of my elective classes, and still they don't know what they're going to do. You know, my favorite thing to tease them about is when they're like, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to get out of Gilderland because I love that those are going to be the kids I'm going to see in the grocery store because they they don't leave. They love Gilderland. They realize what they have here. Um, So I love to hear from them years later to see what they're doing and find out, you know, have they had children, what what their goals are um, and what they've accomplished. It's just so much fun for me to hear that. And um, I know Amanda and I know Amanda very well. And I was so proud to hear about this eight borders eight days and her living out of her comfort zone you know she was living in beirut lebanon and to think about that and during during the war time and i just think wow to go out of your comfort zone and be able to do that and then find your passion and follow through with it and produce this beautiful video was just amazing and you know 
for for every Amanda Bailey out there, there are, there are hundreds others who are doing some amazing things. And it's so much fun to hear and be like, whoa, these kids are successful. This is great. I'm glad I had just a tiny, tiny part in that, whether that's they learned one more vocabulary word from me or, you know, really learned to find their voice in writing or just had somebody they could talk to who was an adult that they trusted. That's a success in my mind completely. Yes. Well, it interests me when you made this decision to be a teacher that you chose English as a major, (laughs) because that seems to me, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, you mentioned one more vocabulary word, but really the idea of finding a voice, talking to students about what matters. English just seems to be a subject that lends itself to really getting to know your students. If you could just talk a little bit about what literature means to you or why that was the, of all the subjects you could have chosen once you decided you (laughs) liked working with kids, why, why English? Well, I knew math was out. (laughs) I knew math was not even on the table as an option. So when I decided to go into education, I thought about what my strengths were. And um, I, I looked back even as far back as high school and thought, you know, Honors English was the only honors classes I ever was in in high school is English classes. And I thought, okay, so that was my strength. And I just attributed it at that time to the fact that I lived with an English teacher and I had, you know, free editing right there in my house. Um, but then as I, I went through college and I took, you know, a society and lit class and I, I learned from Chinua Achebe in that society and lit class and Nadine Gordimer and some of these greats. Who oh my gosh, really, wait, Chinua oh. Achebe was a teacher of yours? Oh my goodness, yeah. Oh. <laughs> I had I had an amazing semester um with with society and lit at UMass. Yeah. Oh, it was wow. it was unbelievable. Yeah. Um and you know, just to spend some time with these great minds and and hear the passion in their voices. And Nadine Gordimer won the Nobel Prize um, for literature at the time that she was in that class. She and Chinua and Desmond Tutu did a little um, three-way teaching there and split the class. And it was just, it, it lit a spark in me. It was something that I was like, this is amazing. And I took a, um, a poetry class at UMass that I often tell my students about because in that poetry class, the professor would never give us the right answer. And um, he, he would just look at us and say, I don't, I don't know, I'm not that poet. I can't tell you what that poet wants. What are you taking from that poetry? And that stuck with me too. And I, I, that's how I tackle poetry in, in my class. Now, my co-teacher and I, are frequent, we frequently say to the students, um, well, what do, you, what do you think that means? How, does that, how do those words apply to your life? What can you take out of those words? It's not really what Emily Dickinson's trying to say to you. What do you think Emily Dickinson's saying to you? What can you take? And that class in college really impacted me and the way in the way I look at words, in the way I tackle um, writing and reading. I love 10th grade literature. I have stayed with 10th grade since I came to Gilderland, and I hope to stay with 10th grade. I love tackling pieces. You know, you mentioned English is such a great conversation class and such a great way to get to know your kids. The pieces that we're able to do with them and the 
discussions we're able to have with them are just amazing. I enjoy it. And it's never the same thing either. Every day, every day is different. Every block is different. So um, that just keeps me loving literature and keeps me wanting to go back and find new books and find new ways to talk to students about things that are going on in life now. So this is a perfect segue into what it is like to be a teacher in the time of coronavirus. Um, because as you, as you mentioned, so much of a really good English class is that conversation, is that sharing yeah. of interpretation. And just if you could kind of walk us through what it was like to suddenly on March 13th, was it? Just slam. Yes, it was. Just yep. slam. Yep. <laughs> the doors were shut and you yeah. Out. So just kind of walk us through what that experience has been like. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I could see the writing on the wall. I could tell it was coming. I was watching the news. I could tell, you know, other schools were shutting down. And I was like, okay, it's it's going to come. I'm, it, it's got to come here. So my co-teacher, Libby Chadwick, and I, we teach um, three English classes together. We made the decision to talk to the kids on Thursday and Friday that week, the 12th and the 13th, about what this might look like and how do we prepare as students and how do we prepare as a class to enter in this unknown. So ironically enough, we did get to talk to two classes on that that Thursday, the 12th, and then we didn't go back for that 13th. So we missed out on talking to them. But the the students, um, they had they had real concerns. They had real, you know, they don't watch the news. Their their news outlets are on social media, so they're not getting cold, hard facts. And they had specific questions about the virus and specific, and we were able to say, well, uh, I don't know that answer exactly, so here's how we'll find it, and we'll find it for you, but here's where you can go for accurate information, you know, and we use the a little plug with .gov so that we can get accurate, <laughs> unbiased information. Mm-hmm. And, and then... Um, and then we were set loose, and we were like, uh-oh, what do we do here? So we have um, we have been fortunate in the fact that most of our, uh, all of our classes, we use Google Classroom regularly with. So the transition to technology wasn't necessarily a huge deal for our classes. However... We're missing that personal, that, that one-on-one, that, that connection, that, that being able to read a person's body language in their, in their face and, like, you know, touch them on the arm and just say, how you doing today? Or you look sad today. What's going on? You know, things like that. We're missing that aspect entirely. So um, we try through Google Meets to get that, but you're not always going to get that. And um, it, it's a challenge being a teacher right now. We, we set up, the high school is trying to follow a schedule, but it's a schedule that not all the kids are following. So even if we have a Google Meet class, you know, half of our population isn't there, and the the half that is there, um, either they've got bedhead or they're playing games, so they don't want us to see that. So we're looking at their avatars. So mm. we're not looking at their faces. So it's it's been really frustrating and and um, hard to try to continue on with classes as we know it. Like that's it just hasn't happened. So we've had to be creative. We've had to do a lot digitally, but we're missing that that one-on-one time for sure. You know, I ran into a student at Gate Farm the other day, and even though we're both masked, we're like, oh my gosh, it's so good to see you. You know, we stood six feet apart and just like looked at each other because <laughs> it's, you just want to see people. I mean, 
teaching is such a human feeling profession that when you don't have that, it's so hard. Yeah, I can't imagine because you seem like such a literally hands-on teacher. It must be very, very frustrating. Yeah, um, I, it's hard. It's hard with our colleagues too. You know, we had a we had a colleague turn sixty a few weeks ago, so we did a drive-by parade for her, and we stood in her yard and in her driveway and in the street for a half hour because we are just missing that connection with our colleagues. So just to, you know, talk to each other and we, and you went to hug with, and then you're like, Oh, can't do that. Sorry, sorry. But it's just natural. Like you miss these humans that you're with all the time. Yeah. I can't imagine going forward what it's going to be like, especially, you know, the governor has set up working with the Gates Foundation to use remote. And I understand in the reality of it, but I can't imagine what that will be like if there's never a return to classrooms as we know it. It's a scary thought to even think about. Um, I have faith with um, having Seema Rivera on the committee that she will represent Gilderland well. Um, you know, and I've given her a few things that I've heard from people, too, So just so she has them in her back pocket a little bit. But um, I have faith that she'll represent us well and make sure that our concerns are heard. I, I, I have faith in her. Well, that's good. So... Um I really need to talk to you, our time is going so fast, about being a class advisor. Just (laughs) what it is like to get to know kids all through their high school career. Tell us just, uh, have you, is this, have you done this in the past or is this the... Uh, Yes. Yes. So So I'm a co-advisor with Danielle Benner, who's another English teacher, and luckily our classrooms are right next door to each other so we can chit chat with each other when we need to regularly um we started out with the class of 2016 so that was our first class and it is amazing to be a class advisor for four years you really get to know uh, the ones who volunteer you get to know them so well and it's it's so much fun to see them as ninth graders not having a clue how to do anything, you know, make the business calls, make decisions, vote on, um, you know, money, uh, raise money, be invested in our in our fundraisers and things like that, all the way through to when they're seniors and they come to us with ideas and say, listen, this is what I want to do. It costs this much money. Can we do a vote? Like, can I bring this to the group? It's so much fun to see them gain that independence. And um, we love working together and we love working with the students. Now, 2020 <laughs> was going great until March and um, and then all of a sudden that added, you know, this coronavirus added just another little um, problem, a little mix to it that we had to all of a sudden say, okay, not only are we doing our classes online, but now we've got to worry about the seniors as well. So, uh, Danielle and I have done a few Google Meets with our elected officers and um, talk to them and and you know we try to keep them in, in abreast of what the school district is talking about and what Mr. Piscatelli's thinking about for the future we ask them what are your thoughts on this or here's the idea we're thinking about floating what are your thoughts get some ideas and come back to us they they have been so instrumental in keeping the class of 2020 informed and keeping us going forward I would almost venture to say that they're working even harder now in the 2020 than they did before because everything's so remote. Um, Kyle, uh, uh, Ryan Kapazinski and um, Izzy Demura have put together an Instagram class of 2020 montage where it's 
it's celebrating all the class of 2020 and where they're going to school in the fall. So, like, they're working hard on that. The, the kids have just been amazing. Well, it must have been very difficult, again, with the lack of physical, no, prom, and I guess the graduation yeah. ceremony itself is up in the air. And, yeah. I mean, are they yeah. sort of angry or mourning what they've lost or have they accepted it or do you have a sense of um even as they're going into their futures so many colleges are rethinking whether they're going to open yeah. or just have online i mean i, I just can't imagine it's like you're being there in front of the class and 911 all over again <laughs> except yeah. Yeah. it's kind of unfolding yeah. in slow motion this time i just wondered sort of what your thoughts are and uh, chirking them up if you need to do that or how how those kinds of concerns are playing out yeah, you know, it's interesting that you ask that. The the um the senior class um has we have been so proud of how they've handled all of these, you know, what I consider to be let down after let down after let down. Um, you know, first realizing that their senior prom was going to be or their senior ball was going to be lost. They they had an attitude the ones that we worked with in the Google Meet, you know, when we started, they're like, okay, are, are we meeting for bad news? And we're like, well, possibly, but let's, let's talk about it. And we said, you know, there's not going to be a senior ball. And the collective response was, well, we kind of knew that. You know, we knew that was coming. But they also were so thankful and grateful that they had the opportunity to have the junior prom already. So they had, they already had this time period together where they, they had the fancy dance. So, they were so they were grateful and we Danielle and I were like wow that that was an amazing response and a mature response yeah, for really? you know yeah, losing that so then um then we had to also tell them in another meet that um they would not be having their their uh, senior picnic and we were like uh, so we're not going to be able to do this because we can't do large groups or anything and they handled that fine and they're like you know that's okay and we said, okay, but we, we've got all this money that we fundraised. We've got to do something with the money. And they worked to figure out what to do with the money. And they did some great, they did some great things for the class of 2020 that I can't tell you exactly what they are just yet. Okay. Um, we'll because the they're not, yeah, they're not public. So okay. I can't tell you just yet. But, um, yeah, they, they've, They've done some great things, and with the money left over, they are making a gigantic donation to the COVID response team. So they've done a great job. Isn't that really, doesn't that speak well for them? I thought I would be hearing yep. about bitterness and anger. <laughs> Here they yeah. had this incredibly um, mature and... Thoughtful yeah. response. Wow. We, Dan, Danielle and I were both ready for the anger, the crying, the why me, what, it's always us, you know, that kind of entitlement attitude. But we did not get that from the senior class at all. We were very impressed. I am too. Well, yeah. I we're almost out of time, but I just remember early in the conversation, you said you knew you wanted to teach at Gilderland. That was where you were going to teach, even though your mother said no chance. What was it? What was it about Gilderland? And has does that still remain with you that this was the right choice? When I was in high school in Columbia County, Gilderland was the 
AHA Epitome District. That was the district that was held up as like the district that anybody wanted to be like. Like everybody wanted to be like Gildon. And so, you know, I graduated from Ichabod in 88. And so having grown up listening to that, that was just in my mind. So when I decided to apply to schools in New York, that was the one that came to my mind. I had been removed from New York for 10 years. So I really didn't know of many other schools. Um, that's the one that came to my mind. I knew I didn't want to go to the school my mother taught at, and I knew I didn't want to go to the school I went to school at. I wanted to be closer to a city. So that it just came to my mind. That's the one. And just like every district in any state in the United States, there are pros and cons to every district. Things you like, things you don't like. But um, I've been very happy. I just finished my 18th year. I will be finishing my 18th year in the next few weeks. And um, I'm, I'm very happy. Well, I am very happy that you're there. Can you give us any closing thoughts, anything that you think is important for people to know that we haven't touched on? I, I just think it's really important for us to um, take care of ourselves during this time. I think I think a lot of people are struggling mentally and physically right now, and I think self-care is so important during this time. And I, I would just like to leave people with the parting thought that, you know, take care of yourself, whether that's going for a walk, finding someone to talk to, um, just you know, reading a great book, take care of yourself because you are the most important thing. Well, thank you, Brenna. 